Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000. It's Brian Hanley and Mark Zander. The sunshine streaming through this window. Burning my retinas. It's a good thing on a Sunday morning. Broadcasting from the old National Bank studio. This is ESPN 1000. We're here to talk sports and some other stuff. Brian, how are you today? I am doing terrifically well. How are you, sir? I'm good. 3-2. Wild pitch. Hey, if we can't get it done, I'll take the other team getting it done for us. (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, Bob Rosenberg, the uh, longtime scorer up at Wrigley Field and also uh, does work for the Bulls forever. That used to be a signature call. Wild pitch, you'd hear him on the microphone in the press box. <laughs> it's fun to say, right? Wild yeah. pitch. Yeah, Rosie would be snoozing a lot, but sometimes you wake up, wild pitch. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, old school too, right? You have the uh, the Josh Harrison um, sack, fl- uh, sack bunt too. To, oh, to and I'll tell you over. something, boy, Twitter was on fire. Yeah, because there are people these days that they just like absolutely it. hate, hate, wasted, hate the bunt. Wasted at bat to the new age. Uh, fans, I know. Right? And, and yeah. I want to I want to dig into that a little bit today on the show, because I think it still has its place. But there are some people that are just freaking out. And it's like that couldn't have been a better spot to bunt. That's absolutely. old school, small ball, Aussie baseball. Get them on, get them over, and get them in, and and buried the lead. I mean, Gavin Sheets it has a big situation in what the fifth inning, second and third doesn't doesn't get doesn't the job do done. it, and then he comes back and gets it done not once but twice. The big home run, and then yeah. in the uh, in the ninth to uh, to set up uh, Adam Engel, who pinch ran for him uh, on third. Um, it, it was a double, and then Adam got over to uh, third on the bunt. From Harrison, which which is Aussie baseball. Remember that whole term, Aussie Small baseball. Ball, which, yeah. which yeah. by the way, Aussie on NBC, NBC Sports Chicago yesterday. I think it was pregame, or no, it must have been postgame at that point. Was talking about how he used to just laugh when people called it Aussie baseball. He's like, no, 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 it's not Aussie baseball. That's the way we play because that's the way you play baseball. It's baseball. It's that's just it. baseball. It's, it's not strategy. all about. And he is so anti. He doesn't want to hear about exit velocity. He doesn't want to hear about any, you know, hard hit balls. It doesn't barrel, matter. Uh, barrel rate. Yeah, and barrel all rate that. and all that stuff. And and he's right. He's like, just, you know, what was it? Um, I think it was the Guardians, uh, one of those games uh, recently that we played last week where they just killed us with all these soft sure. hits. That's a way to win the game. We don't hey, need and, home runs. You know, They're again, great if you can get them, but... Gavin yeah. Sheets, you know, we know he went down and he said, you know, he found me got the love of the game again mm-hmm. and relaxed mm-hmm. and he came back. And, and it was he, hot, and then he cooled off. and He was yeah. four for 32 going into the game yeah. yesterday. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I don't know if he was, if he's battling for his, uh, his White Sox roster spot. Uh, maybe that's overstating it, but. Hey, he, keep... hey, at this point, he may be trade bait too. Yeah, exactly right. And look, and then he goes opposite field. For that double, too. yes, so. and he's been doing that a little bit lately, which is only going to endear him to the staff, uh, the coaching staff, as it should. He just needs to be a little more consistent. But let's not forget, he's a young guy. He, you know, he had he had some um, some tough times down in uh, you know AAA or probably Double A at that point, and you know 
they've got to develop. Either they develop and they come ready, or they do a little developing on this level. And that's what we're seeing from him. But yesterday it paid off. It paid off big. He was a big hero of the game. Yeah, uh, Connor McKnight had him on. This goes back maybe a couple months uh, on White Sox Weekly. And uh, you root for a guy when when he, you know, he's just honest. And he he was brutally honest in the postgame talking to the beat guys saying they asked him how, you know, basically how to characterize the season. He said subpar. I mean, I'm not good enough. And it was great that he had a night. Wait a minute, Brian. That you know what that. It kind of sounds like a leader, although he's not the leader. You yeah. know what Tim Anderson said when somebody brought up the suspension? I'm not talking about it. Of course he's not. Yeah, uh, three games. So he's not talking about it. That's our leader. And then you have somebody like Sheets who is admitting that he hasn't played up to his expectations and he needs to do better. Wouldn't it go a long way if Tim said, I will talk about it. I should not have done that. That was right. stupid on me. Right. Yep. I'm going to take it and I'm going to be better. Would well, have been he, great if he did that. That's what see, a leader does. The only thing is, he probably couldn't say that yesterday because he's appealing the three games and wants to knock it down right. to two okay. or one. Okay, so well he then hopefully so he can't admit that publicly and say I shouldn't have done it. Okay, then, okay, yeah. all right. So after, okay, so after you want accountability, I'm yeah, and you. I would love to hear that. And he certainly yeah. does have that chance. And I get why he probably couldn't do it yesterday. He I'm still, up. I'm he still wired. wired. I'm still wired about this, though. Yeah. I'm just super wired about this. <laughs> Yeah, he was told by, uh, don't, don't talk about it. Take the fifth. Um, yeah, but look, why why does it have to be so damn hard? <laughs> you know, God bless Gavin Sheets, and God bless they, you know, they, they pulled Johnny Cueto pitched so damn well and should have won that game anyway. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But look, I guess. And, he, and the, you know what, about the, just jumping in real quick on Johnny, he has his tough spots, but the man gets out of him. That's absolutely. what good pitchers do. Good pitchers, it's great to ace a game. To Burley a game, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's use a Sox reference there, yeah, but that's Burm. that's not going to happen all the time. But to have a tough inning, to get out of it, and then to have your offense respond to give you the lead that you need to be able to get out of those tough spots. That's a team working together, and that's not what we've seen consistently. Yeah, and look, I, I mean, I get that Paul Blackburn is an All Star this year, and overall his numbers are really really impressive. But his last three starts. He had allowed 21 runs and 20 hits and 14 and a third. All you have to do is run into the socks to uh, get out of a bad spin, apparently. I mean, Texas torched him for 10 runs Sunday. Right, right. right. I mean, six and three and a 290. So, but we've seen it with the Sox staff, too, right? You know, we've seen Giolito go into a little rut, and unfortunately, and, and, uh, and it happens. I get it. But that guy is there waiting for you. And instead, he walks out of there with a 2-0 lead. He doesn't walk anybody. You know, he just five hits, four strikeouts. Let's get him out of there and give him a feel good because he was really scuffling. But boy, he had to, to have to rally against. I, oh, Oakland did win four in a row. So I guess, you know, every every dog has its day. The Cubs have won. You know, well, as they say, times, it's not you know. who you're playing. It's who, uh, who you're playing you're and going. what date. Yeah, when you're, when playing. you're playing them. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I mean, it, God bless the White Sox, but they just can't have a laugher against the worst team in the American League. It, it's entertaining, and we can sit here and say, you know, we can now debate small ball or, or Aussie ball or just baseball, but God bless them, they needed that one. <laughs> they did. They did, yeah. and especially going into today where you know you're going to get a hell of a performance from our ace. Dylan Cease, Mm -hmm. will the bat show up today? Now, as we've seen, when we have a win like this, it usually means good things. So to take two or three 
when you really should have swept them. But to take two of three, especially when we've been so bad at home, okay, that that's a good start. Yeah, hey, win series, okay? I mean, you'd like to sweep the right. Oakland team. but that, Especially you know. as bad as they are. But again, they came in hot, which yep. everybody has. Yep. Every dog mm-hmm. has their day. Yeah, so I look, it, it's... It'll be interesting, and, and you know, Rick Hahn still working the phones, I hope. I mean, I, I expect that he is. Um, we have a Twitter poll question today. Um, by the Tuesday trade deadline, 5 o'clock Chicago time. Jake's got deals- his finger on that uh, bulletin sounder yeah. in case something happens yeah. today. Yeah, well, how many deals will Rick Hahn make? Zero, one, two, three, or more than th- or four or more. Um I, I would hope it's not zero. I would expect it to be it, at least it, one. Look, how would you, how would you react if if you want to jump Whoa. in here three one two three three two three seven seven six? You know what I'm going to ask. How would Whoa. you react if Rick Hahn does nothing by the trade deadline? How I mean, nuts I'm, would you go, Sox fans? I, I, and, and you know, is one enough? Is two enough? You have a lot of needs here, and I don't know. Again, big picture. Is he going to be realistic and say, well, this team's a 500 team by definition. Every day we have a chance to go maybe two games over. No, we haven't done that since six and four in April. Um, does, does, I mean, does he, a GM has to protect the organization, right? The manager's job is to win games. The GM's job is to also look big picture. And we've talked about it. Yep. They should win this division still. I mean, look, Minnesota needs a, probably a starter and two bullpen Pitchers. And they're and they're trying to they're working yeah. the deadline too their phone is yeah. on yeah, and they probably think Guardians they should as be up, well they should be up six seven games on right. this division right but if if you're recon and say you know we're not the Yankees this year we're not Houston um, and and keep your eye on teams like Tampa because they David Peralta is off the board I tried to sell him to you yesterday I saw I saw that as soon as I saw that I was like well you know what I I guess Han has a plan what yeah. is the plan Rick yeah. and by the way. Something we've overlooked, Luis Robert yeah. still not playing the rehab stint, and we're going to find out more tomorrow. Does And this is made from the beginning when you get taken out for dizziness and nobody's talking about anything, and then they say, remember, they said, okay, when we get back to Chicago, we'll evaluate. We never right. heard anything from that. No, Rick Rickon just said that he, you know they had looked at in Minnesota and then back here in Chicago. Right, right, but no, no, no disclosure, yeah. no disclosure, and then we're being told he has a rehab assignment. And our first que- my first question was rehab from what? Can somebody say something? And now that's been delayed. So is Rick Hahn have to prepare himself for no Luis Robert? Well, now I don't got, know. I don't know what's going on. Now he's got cold symptoms, whatever that entails. You know, first thing I think. Is this a, well, he had COVID. Is this a long haul COVID symptoms like uh, Mankata had last year? I, I mean, and that's why he's not. He wasn't there yesterday. Right. He's not going to be out there today. Right. <clears throat> but boy, you, you know, you. He, this makes me nervous. Yeah, it should make me nervous. I mean, he before he he was benched or, or taken out of the game for dizziness, he was killing it at the plate, having problems in the field. Yep. And if it is a vertigo situation, I've never had that. I know people yeah. who have suffered from it. It is no bueno. And it yeah. is not necessarily something that goes away quick. Mm. So does Rick Hahn in the trade Market have to prepare for Luis Robert not being, being an asset for the remainder of the year. Your oh guess boy. is as good as mine. I'm, I'm expecting the worst, right? Because we're not talking about it. Nobody's talking about anything. Yeah, I mean, you would like some clarity. Yeah. Hey, don't worry, he's going to be back in 10 days or, you know, whatever. But we're not getting that. Nope. And now, 
Now they're not talking about the dizziness; they're talking about cold symptoms. Um, I, you know, I don't know what that means. Which, see, and and I mean that's awfully fishy, right? Because right. if you're talking about dizziness, then you're talking about cold. You're trying to delay talking the truth. It seems, and they're trying to figure out what this is and how they how they talk about it publicly. It just doesn't seem good. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Um, and, and we also, you know, we buried the lead because uh, Jed Hoyer already has a deal under his belt. Um, it was a cold play by Je- uh, by Jed. He sent um, Chris Martin to the Dodgers. Oh, wow. I was up all night. You know, and thank you for that. And I forgot my snare because you haven't really <laughs> delivered. Ah. So I forgot my <laughs> snare and I can't give you a, a rim shot. And I'm sorry. I well, owe you I mean, a rim shot. Zach McKinstry. Uh, the the much anticipated Zach McKinstry era. <laughs> he um he had two he started two games for the Dodgers. Now, being the optimist Cubs fan, which you know I already always am, I'm going to believe that all that Dodgers talent kept him down. Uh, and and he is that what he, it is? Yeah. It's almost like Jed said to one of the uh, maybe one of the interns in the office, "Hey, you want to make a trade? Go ahead, <laughs> pull this one off." I mean, so he can play every position. I mean, he, he might even be able to, to pitch, right? Take Schwindel's deal when they're getting hammered. But he plays every infield position, and he played both corner outfield positions. But he's 27. Now, he's 1 for 11 with the Dodgers this year, but it was a home run. So that must have been a hell of a home run that really impressed some Cub scout out there. But anyway, they had to have this guy. He's 27 years old, and we're actually going to see him on the roster. So... Whew, Jed probably, I mean, he's just exhausted or he's going to take a day before he's yeah, next to the Wilson no Contreras stuff. That yeah. or, the, or the intern gets a day off for a good job. <laughs> he got promotion. Viva la vida to Chris Martin. Bye-bye, buddy. <laughs> there you go. There's your Coldplay reference. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're back to talk more baseball. We'll get to the Bears. Got a lot to do. We're here till 1230. It's Hanley and Xander on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Bring up Gavin Sheets. First pitch swing and high fly ball. Deep right field and this one is tied. Gavin Sheets launches the first pitch for a two-run home run in the right. His eighth of the year, 2-2 ball game. He got the barrel on a fastball up. And did not miss it. Timing is everything. You get the hit by pitch and then immediately be ready to take advantage of the mistake by the pitcher on the next pitch. Hey, Gavin. How are you guys doing? Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the home run first. Uh, Pruitt, you hadn't seen him before, right? Yeah, I had never seen him before. Um, you know, I, I wanted to, to get something back for that at bat before that, you know, second and third, got to get that job done. But fun to get that at bat right there and be aggressive early and, and get a pitch to handle. Gavin, earlier in your career, you're known as the guy going to pull the ball, big power. But does it show your maturation as a hitter that you could also hit a double down the left field line in the same night? Yeah, that's huge. Um, you know, that's how you stay here. You know, obviously the, the power is a huge, huge part of my game, but, um, you know, got to be able to hit the ball as well in all, all fields. And so, uh, you know, that at bat was huge right there. And and we got it done with uh, Jay Hagan the bunt down and then Adam scoring on the wall pitch. Take us inside the dugout. Uh, fourth inning double play. 
fifth inning. I know you wanted to come through. You don't. Yeah. I know it's frustrating, right? Sure. But you still know that you're in the game. Yeah, absolutely. You know that the big one's coming up. You know, you got the seventh and the eighth and ninth, and uh, that's when the biggest at bats usually happen. So um, you got to stay in it. You got to you got to want the next at bat, and and when you get it, you got to do something with it. So I was able to do that tonight, and you know, wanted to pick up Cueto. Cueto threw the ball unbelievably, and uh, he didn't deserve to get a loss tonight. Well, look, we're really happy for you. You came through in a big way, and your teammates stayed right with it because yeah. for a while, didn't look like you were going to score. But what do you think will be the mood going into tomorrow, the deciding game of this series? I think it just took a big swing. Um, you know, we got to get the one tomorrow, get the series, and uh, keep it going. This is the, the push we've been needing. All right, congrats, Gavin. Go enjoy this one. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Right. Nice job. Ah, wow. Look at that, Coldplay. Got to play that. Right? <laughs> it should have been a Chris Martin highlight. Uh, anyway, fit it in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Are there, are there any Chris yeah. Martin yeah. highlights? Easy. Yeah, okay, all right, all right, hey, all right. The hey. Dodgers wanted him to hit there. I, apparently they did. Apparently yeah. they did. Yeah, I saw that trade yesterday. I'm like, hmm, I would have expected a bigger name in there, but I guess they're starting really slow. Oh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't get again. I think Zach was just being held down by the layers and layers of, of Dodger talent, and he's 27 and watching. And Jed here. sees something that nobody oh, else sees or exactly. prioritizes. So when they're ready to win, he'll be I don't know 35. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Sheets who's saying all the right things. If we can just find a way to, well, and and I feel like he's going to get to the point where he's more consistent at the plate. If we can find a way to put a gold glove in his hand. Then mm-hmm. we, he's a real asset. I mean, you know, sometimes it's been shaky in the field. And uh, the Twitterverse gets awfully upset when he is uh, out in the uh, field, if you've noticed. Right. Well, and, and look, I mean. Uh, and he's Sox not a natural fans, outfielder. No, Sox fans are nervous for a reason. This team yeah. makes them nervous, and they made him nervous again last night. Mm-hmm. But I, I love <laughs> Tony said it was a 500-foot home run. I think StatCast had it at 400. But, no, why quibble over 100 feet? Um, but then, right. you, know, you you root for a kid like that, and and you know as much as Sox fans last week were saying this, I hate this team. He seems like a likable guy. Right? Absolutely, I mean, saying right. the right things. Young, energetic, wants to get better. He admitted, you know, being able to hit to the opposite field. That's yeah. how you stay in the game. That's how you stay up here. You know, Tony doing appreciates the that, little believe things. Me. Yeah. yeah, Tony. He, Tony appreciates that more than the home run, probably. But you needed the home run. Let's not let's not downplay right, that. Right, right, right. We don't get many of them. So every no. one that we need, it would be nice to be at a point to where it's like, wow, we really didn't need that home run. I don't yeah. think we're going to say that at all this year. No, that doesn't. This team makeup doesn't year. doesn't seem to have that. That you know, hey, we'll just give you five easy ones, laughers, and you know, we go out there and, and go Yankees on teams. We'll just you know, here's ten to one, here's eight to two. You know, make it easy. Jump out to a five run lead and coast. That's not this team. No, you know, no, unfortunately, which brings us back to Rick Hahn and how aggressive is he going to be? I mean, does does he in the in his heart of hearts say? This isn't our year, even though there's a lot of year left. Not as much as you would hope, maybe. But we aren't the Astros. We're not the Yankees. Well, we're not, we're not going to sell. Yeah. But no. how much are we going to buy, and will right. it make an actual impact? Yep. And, uh, you know, realistically, Sox fans, 312-332-3776, if you're sitting in Rick Hahn's chair, is it all about swinging for the fences and, and trying to get back in this thing and, and be the team we thought going into the season was going to contend for something? Or do you have you seen so much now that you're like, well, I can't 
I can't mortgage our future, whatever that is to you as a Sox fan, because even if you get into October baseball by winning the division, um, you just there are too many holes here. And you right, don't, and and yeah. some would argue, and we've certainly heard them on the phone lines. Some would argue that the you know the future that we thought was here isn't really talented, mm-hmm. and they should just start blowing it up now. Which we've seen the talent; it's there. It just doesn't coalesce, and it doesn't. It's not consistent. Now, yesterday, I was thinking about this, and I want your input, Brian. Tony Larusa. He's hired Jerry Wansom. We remember the famous press conference where Rick Hahn said it has been decided. Yes. Right? And yeah, you never say that if that job. if yeah. you want to take credit for something, yeah. no. you never say that. Yeah. <laughs> so so we know he wasn't taking credit for that. So who is Tony LaRussa accountable to? Now we're not mad at Tony today because they won yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. but the, you know the day before we were and and that's and we'll be mad at him again. Hopefully, no no time soon. But where who is he accountable to? I would suppose he's not to Rick. Is he to? Um, uh, I mean, is Jerry talking to him? You know, is Kenny Williams? Is he accountable to Kenny Williams? You know, you just you wonder. You know, I, and that's a, a really interesting question, and I don't. I think first and foremost he's accountable to himself. So because I which mean, which could been, be the problem, right? Right. I mean, but could Rick Hahn? I, I remember one of those games that he, someone said baseball ops had suggested a change in the lineup, and mm. it, it worked out. Right. And who is baseball ops? Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, what is that exactly? Is it just here? Here's here's the printout from the computer, and let's try this. Um, I, I I think Tony said it. If I feel like the the club isn't responding to me, that's when I will go and say it's my my time's now. I got to get out of here. Um, and some would think, argue the club is not responding to him consistently. Right. right. Um, but I, I I I'm sure he talks to Jerry, and they're they're very good friends. I mean, it wasn't just a, a trying to right a professional wrong on Jerry's end. They, they've stayed friends for decades, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. there's that relationship. I don't know. I, I think uh, Tony probably respects Rick Hahn and certainly Kenny Williams because they've been doing this for a long time. But remember, Tony was up in the Arizona front office as head of baseball ops for a long time. So he probably thinks he's got some handle on what that looks like from, from their chair as well, right? So he might, I'm sure he respects them and gives them their due and listens to their thoughts. But to answer a question, I don't think he takes marching orders from anybody. You know, I mean, and, and, and outside looking in, as as this is what we're here to do, it doesn't seem like he's really in touch at that level with the experience of being baseball ops. Right. From our point of view, it doesn't seem like he is. Well, I mean, and, you know, Arizona didn't have exactly uh, right. And wasn't he success. in Boston, too? Boy. He was, he was with another team. As well, I could look it up. I thought it yeah. was Boston, but he was he was up in the big office uh, with another team as well. Yeah. So to answer your question, I think I don't think he he's arrogant to the point where get out of my office. You know, I got you don't have you know take your thoughts and tell your story walking. I think he's open to, to suggestions and conversation, but ultimately, I don't think anyone tells him how to run a run a team, run a clubhouse, make out a lineup question is pitching. I mean, look, Rick Hahn will go into the office and say, hey, 
you know, you know, what was your thought process when you pulled him and brought in this guy? Right. You I mean, said sure it that, that way. Not what the hell were you doing? Yeah. I, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Rick throws the TV remote when he's folding laundry, like he said he does when they they disappoint him. But um, I, I just think that Tony's been doing this at such a high level from the dugout forever that he's open to conversation, but I don't think he's open to second guessing. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Although we would like to see some accountability. Yeah, it's just you know, yesterday it just occurred to me that um, you know he has been hired. He's been hired by the owner who does not manage the club day to day. So, who is he answering to? Hopefully, somebody. Hopefully, somebody's in his ear from time to time. Yeah, I, I you know I think. I think they they touch base and and you know Kenny whenever he's around or picks up the phone and, and you know we still don't really him. know what Kenny does. Well, he, he I mean well, he goes into the clubhouse once in a while. And says right, it's not right, good enough. yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Rickon is the GM, but really, is Kenny still the GM? And Rickon is basically the the get her done guy. Boy, that would chat my ass if I was Rickon. That the perceptions even out there still that he has the title, but he doesn't have the authority. And we, I know. And when you do have the owner hire the manager, and Rick has to come out and say it has been decided that he is the best man for this job, that would make I mean, me nuts. Just right, yeah, just that, just that, because yeah. you know you're sending a message because you want everyone to know you didn't sign on to this program, but ultimately you are the general manager, and that is normally under your purview of, of things. That's right. And and when and when any one of the shows here on ESPN 1000 wants to talk about the White Sox, they talk to Rick Hahn. Absolutely. Not Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn. So Rick is the point guy. So how much does he get to say? And does he get to, you know, does Tony LaRusso have accountability to Rick Hahn? We really don't know. We don't understand the dynamic. I would like to think that there is some accountability somewhere beyond Jerry. I don't know. 312-332-3776. Take your phone calls, talking White Sox. We'll, uh, we'll talk to the Cubs, see if there's any trades while we're, uh, while we're on the air today until 1230. Um, Jake, are you effort- efforting Zach McKinstry? Have we heard back from him yet? Uh, no I, comment. <laughs> no, we got a no comment. I, I'm getting tickets for the first game. Uh, just I've been waiting for this, uh, this trade. This well, that's funny. Game. You know when the first game is? Uh, no. <laughs> right. No. right. Uh, that's if you can afford another ticket after spending all that money on Bruce. You're going to see some of his jerseys next to Wisdom and Suzuki out there? Oh, hey, you know what? If someone's wearing a McKinstry jersey, Tyler's going to be all over it. Wow. Tyler's going to be all over that. You know that Tyler. there's someone. You know that there's someone, whether in Cubs fandom or any one of the other major league baseball teams. That their mission is to get a new jersey. The first one. The first ASAP one, right? after a trade. I'm guessing Zach's parents don't even have a Zach McKinstry jersey. That just maybe that's mean spirited. But yeah, there's some guy out there who's going to be walking around the concourse of Wrigley Field. I'm the first McKinstry. one. Look at me. Yeah. I'm the first one. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. Uh, way back in the day, I felt like I was the first and only one to gain a, get a Wayne Presley Blackhawks jersey. Wow. Because I was really impressed. Well, one year he was scoring like crazy. I'm like, I like this kid. I like this kid. I get the jersey. I get the jersey. They trade him. And then. How much much did that set you back? uh, I can't remember. I mean, you know, back in the early 90s, it's probably like 65 bucks. But back in the early 90s, you know, 65 bucks wasn't. 
wasn't nothing. Uh, you know, and they weren't selling. I was just starting my radio that. career, so I could tell you it was a lot of money. Yeah. And and then we get Joe Murphy. Oh, so then what I did was I had Presley removed because they both wore 17. I had Presley removed and then have Murphy, but there was still some glue from the letters. So I took red permanent marker and just kind of colored in because it was a Red Hawks jersey. <laughs> and I rolled with the Murphy jersey for a while. And, of course, you know about uh, Joe Murphy. What a sad story that is. But he played for the Hawks and, you know, he was a good guy. He's a good uh, guy, but, I mean, you're not going to find an otter. I mean, he was just, he was in his own little world. Yeah, but you know was... you know what ultimately happened to him, right? No, I, I lost oh, track Oh, you know what? That's a hell of a tease. I'm going to bring that up on the other okay. side of the break. Yeah, because everyone in that dressing room knew that they liked him. He's a likable guy. Yeah, no, this is, whoa, I can't, okay. All right, this is good. This is one hell of a tease, Brian Hanley. Uh, we will come back from this break, and I will tell you what happened to Joe Murphy and what he's doing today. And we'll make sure I will study. Do you still have the jersey? <laughs> no, that's market? long gone. Okay. Long gone. This is ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley, Mark Zander broadcasting on ESPN 1000 from the old National Bank studio. You can see us on Twitch anytime. Twitch.tv forward slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Brought to you by the Jim Ursay Collection. All right, so we were talking about Joe Murphy, once number 17 for the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, you were talking about how he was just a uh, bit of an odd duck, right, right Brian? Well, covering well, like, covering well, the Hawks for yeah. all those years during the, that time? He's very eccentric. I mean, there were some characters on those teams like Broadway Bernie Nichols. Grimson. Lived, yeah, and, and you might have seen Bernie. He lived in the Hancock, and he liked the nightlife. Uh, he liked the boogie. I, I, rode, I rode the elevator with Murph and uh, Nichols yeah. one night after they were out drinking. Yeah, well, and there was a lot of that. On that yeah, team. yeah, of and, course. And 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 I remember Broadway Bernie Nichols saying he was uh, what we would say uh, not showing up for a lot of games. Like on the ice, he was there, but he wasn't really pulling his weight. And we were asking him about it, and he said, "Well, don't worry, I'll be there for the important games." And we went <laughs> back to now. Here's a guy who won the Stanley Cup with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, yes. along with Joe Murphy. Right, right, and uh, you know knew what it looked like and how to do it. But then we went, I don't know, it was Daryl Sutter or Brian Sutter, who was coaching at the time, because I covered both of them. I love the Sutters. Um, I think it was Brian. And we went back, and we were talking to him about uh, uh, Bernie Nichols. And he said, we told him what he said, that he'll be there for the important games. And he said, why don't you go back and ask him to circle those on the schedule for me? Because I'd like to know which games those are. <laughs> right. I mean, he was not, I mean, the Sutters were serious as a heart attack. They had great sense of humor. Yeah. But uh, there were no no easy games on the schedule. There was no. Of course you know, not. I'll be ready for the important games right. because every game was important to the first family of hockey. So here's the payoff on the Joe Murphy thing, right? Uh, we got into this because I talked about how I had a Wayne Presley jersey, and as soon as he got traded, I had to kind of do a an audible. <laughs> Doctor it up, and 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 a, a, you know, uh, uh, Joe Murphy slid into no, number seventeen, and that was Wayne Presley's jersey number. So I'm like, okay, I'll just change the nameplate. With a little, uh, you know, ingenuity, I got yeah. that done. So Joe Murphy, this was according to CBC.ca, which is uh, CBC Canada. is the major broadcasting company in Canada. The, according to their website, and this is 2018, and I read this, Joe Murphy was homeless 
Oh, boy. In Kenora, Ontario. And he's been homeless ever since. Um, and there was an update in 2020 on this. But, uh, yeah, he, he's been homeless. It's been a real sad story. I don't remember the end of his career, but there was a hit. He was, uh, he was uh, playing for the Red Wings after they, uh, let's see, we're playing against the, I'm trying to see here. I guess, uh, yeah, Sean uh, Burr hit him into the boards and he, his head was down. And he, he says that that was basically the beginning of his, his brain trauma and his issues and everything. And I'm, I'm looking for an update to see what's going on today, but it looks like... Uh, Hey, here's a quote from uh, Rick Westhead. You get your bell rung, you turn self-medicating both alcohol and painkillers. The toll it takes on players year after year. So Joe basically got hooked on drugs and alcohol and uh, found himself homeless. And I don't, I don't know what's happening right now, but there's actually on, um, on uh, uh, let's see, where is the documentary, if you can still find it. It was uh, Finding Murph. On TSN, it was a mini Ooh. documentary in 2018, which I saw, and I and uh, yeah, that's that's been the situation on Joe Murphy. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's awful. I mean, we're we're having a lot of fun with it until this right, day. right, right. Yeah, but, I'm, uh, um, it's not a it's not a. I mean, look, you used to uh, you know cover the Hawks. It's not a widely known story, but no, a very sad no. story and not a unique story. We remember um, uh, Theo Fleury. And oh, uh, and how I much covered, I covered Theo too. Yeah, and how much how much trouble and and the background of sexual abuse in in the minor hockey and we we know that story and he was part of that. It's just a mess. And that and and you know, the Blackhawks publicly said that he had he was uh, clean and sober and yeah. so was Proby and nothing further than the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, mm-hmm. I remember but, all that as a fan. But as I'm trying to you know Joe Murphy. I, he should have a pension. I know. I'm, I'm sure his pensions go. The NHL is not the greatest, but there should be some income there, right? I mean, yeah. You know what? I would have to dig into the article, and yeah. I'll, I'll send you the link. Um, and and I'll still try to dig up what is, what's the situation now, because I don't see an update. But uh, yeah, very sad story about him. Very yeah. sad story. It, it's you know, it's awful. But um, yeah, that's. Um, it's I, I lost track, you know, because it, it it's been a, a little bit more than a minute since I covered those teams. Yeah, right. But there were, I mean, that that dressing room had personalities and oversized personalities like Jr. Mm-hmm. and and then they had just guys like Joe Murphy, and I mean, there that was quite a collection of of different types of people. Those were back in the days when I had season tickets at the old stadium, right on the second level. Yeah, you got, we would count the literally sit up in the press box and count the number of people in attendance. We could just take there's 20 in that section. There's, you know, 25 over here. Yeah, they would announce whatever. Those 12, were the 13. days where I would walk in with my Hawks jacket with beers lined up from my forearm to my armpit <laughs> and just walk in and keep my arms tight to my body. And, and they didn't do anything. Well, you spent went in and I brought six bucks my... on the Presley sweater, so you needed <laughs> yeah, to save, had to the, save money somewhere. And actually, since you were at all these games, you may know where I sat because I sat behind some guy who was a complete nut, and he was very entertaining to be around. And he had a little ref stuffed doll, and he hung it by a rope off the balcony, and his head would rip off. And when oh, he would get mad, he would rip his head off. Awesome. And they let him just always hang that there every game. 
was a Don Koharski doll? What <laughs> it? Well, it represented any ref that he did not like. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I I didn't <laughs> I didn't see <laughs> you didn't see that little detail. That crazy stuff happened on the three hundred level at the old yeah. stadium. I, I mean, I remember Al Zamnoff came after me. We were on, uh, went from Vancouver to Edmonton. No, um, but it was it was the Alpo Suhonen team, and um, <laughs> and those are some dark years. My brother oh. and I talk about those years all the time. Yeah, I, uh, how how you. How you got through those through those years without drinking yourself silly, Brian? Well, the and I'm not saying I didn't. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so the inmates you live were, to tell. Inmates were running the asylum uh, really throughout that you know short uh, El Paso uh, uh, stand here. But so after a Vancouver game where I, I just unloaded, I wrote a column and I just eviscerated everyone and and Samnoff and it was. Um, a couple of those guys, because we would go into the dressing room after the game, and they were just horse bleep for, you know, ever. And you'd go in there, and they were trying to figure out, you know, why the beer isn't as cold as it should be. And they're, you know, they were, they were, start drinking before they even took their sweaters off. And it's like a scene so I, out of Slapshot. Yeah. So I, you know, I basically said, you know, the inmates are running the silent and someone's got to rein this thing in. And they, a couple of them were waiting for me uh, in Edmonton on the next game. Uh, but yeah, that's, it was part and parcel of doing the job. But, oh, that's, it sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, was, I, I mean, the one good thing as a sports writer, when you get the, the knife out to carve, you, that, those are fun to write. They're, they're easy to write because you've been watching this crap forever. And, and it's been know, building up. Yeah, and it and almost you, writes itself. I'll yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah, and you see, you know, all the off the ice stuff too, which maybe you've been holding back, <laughs> and then you just unload, and and then guys are, you know, why why'd you write that? You know, we're <laughs> someone had to. Okay, right. I'm here for you. Cathartic is yeah. what you might call. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I could just see the guys with one foot on the locker, you know, putting their fist, pounding their fist. Hey, Brian. Yeah. What are you doing? Up. Yeah. Now you were were you covering when Proby was uh, with the Hawks? Yes, and Proby was one of my. He was lived a block from me, so I would go out running, and I would you know he, his wife and his twin daughters were you know great great family, mm-hmm. and Proby was a he was a gentle giant. I mean, you felt bad for him because he you know the, his demons never went away, and yeah. ultimately he you know they did him in. Yeah. But he was he's. He was a likable, gentle guy. I remember the, that's what the I've TV, always understood. The TV guys would come in and want to do a post game or, or an off day, whatever, and they would turn on the light on top of the camera. and Are you ready? And they're like, "Are you ready, Proby?" He's like, "Hold on, let me put my teeth in." And he would turn around and get his fake teeth from the top shelf of his cubicle and sure. pop pop in the because you know, being what he did for a living, he didn't have many teeth left. Right. But he he put in his teeth and do the interview. But yeah, he was a very likable guy. Did he? Did he ever? Uh, did he ever get on? Or did any writer ever get on the wrong side of Proby in Chicago? No, uh, you know, guys like Stu Grimson and Proby, they off the ice, you wouldn't know that they were the. You know why? Because they got it all out of their yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. No, Proby, would, Proby would tell the stories just like every up and coming tough guy who's going to be in the NHL. You know, the only way they're staying on an NHL team is if they, they drop I, the I'll tell gloves. you something. I actually saw that. I had really good seats one game, and I can't remember. Might have been Edmonton. This young kid known as a fighter. He started with Probert, and as soon as Probert turned around and dropped his gloves, I swear this guy turtled on the ice. He just well, had this last minute decision of, "I uh, no, I'm going to get killed. I'm not doing this." 
Well, see, but Proby would tell you uh, there were those guys, but Proby would say that the brash guys would come up and say, hey, we got you got to dance with me. You got you got to do me. You know, please, please. Uh, yeah, I, I, this means him. my career. Yeah, right. I, I, I got to show I earn my, you know, earn my props here. I, yeah. I got to go against you and, and show him I can do it. And he's, he said, you get tired after a while. I'm sure he's like, oh, again, yeah, again. OK, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this. All right. Drop the gloves. Here we go. Well, I mean, when you're but, a prize fighter like that. Yeah. Everybody wants you. Yep. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We went down the rabbit hole, but sometimes that yeah. happens here yeah, on ESPN One Thousands. Hanley and Xander will be back talking about uh, talking baseball. We're going to cover the uh, Bears as well, and and we're just kind of waiting for that big sounder to hit for uh, another very minor trade from the Cubs, possibly. I don't know. We'll any, see. Any well, trade well, look, from the look, Sox look, should be look, look. There's going to there should be. Would you not agree? There should be more action on the North Side than South Side. In, in, in sheer numbers, yes, yeah. but uh, of, of magnitude. Impact, impact, it better have bigger impact on the south side. I mean, technically, there's construction up there right now, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever you're going to get for Wilson Contreras will probably end up in your farm system. So I would say the impact will still come from the south side because that's. They well, need, the immediate impact, let's yes, say right. that, right? Yeah. As right. opposed to delayed. We'll get back to talking about that. If you want to jump in, 312 332 3776. Have a couple of polls up at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. We'll be right back. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Tanley, Xander, ESPN 1000. Xander, rocker, all one word, one R in the middle. And you are B. Hanley at 534? No, Brian. Uh, Brian, Brian Hanley, underscore 534? No, just Brian Hanley five three four. Okay, I should pay attention more, I guess. That's right. <laughs> three one two three. I three, can change two. it for you. If you three said no, 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 no. You got a million it. followers already. You're no. such a stud on Twitter. Well, nah, I'm sure I am. No. I'll I'll make the adjustment. I told I told you how I started that right. Mike Thomas, who you know uh, hired you, hired me. Yeah, yeah. Around the same and, time. Yeah. Um, he said, "Hey, I see you're not on Twitter." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, you know." Were you really not? Wait, 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 wait. You weren't on Twitter at that point. I was never on Twitter until like two years ago. No kidding. And he said, "I had no idea." Yeah. Well, and that neither did he. And he said, "You know, <laughs> right. I think I think you should be on Twitter." And I said, "Yeah, that's probably not my thing." And he said, "No, it's not really a suggestion." <laughs> so Get her got, done. So Danny Zetterman got her done for me. He he sat in the studio and said, "Okay, what do you want to do for your?" Interesting. You know, yeah. I was on Twitter, but as a uh, a radio personality on music stations where I spent most of my career. Sometimes you're just retweeting breaking news. Yeah. You know, somebody dies, but there it, it isn't really conducive for that. And I never really found my footing. But now that I'm talking sports and I still talk music on Twitter, it's just more conducive to that. So, well, I just yeah. figured I got I had four hours a day to to you know right. express whatever I wanted mm-hmm. to express. Yeah, what else are you going to do? Yeah, and, but in know, this day they, and time, it's twenty four seven. Aren't you so. waking up in the middle of the night? Breaking the breaking news on your Twitter feed? No, no, that's just because I'm 62. <laughs> that's the okay. Uh, yeah. Well, neither am I, and I'm not 62, not yet. All right. So uh, today, 50 years ago, something really cool happened. He's got this one line to center, dialing over, and he falls down. Ball bounces over him, goes back to the screen. Two runs will score. Allen is coming to third. They're waving him in. Come on, Dick, and inside the park over on East. I think that was Bly Levin, he, terrific curveball. I knew it's going to take a 
Uh, he was still tracking the ball down. Had to take a perfect throw to get me at home. So I wind up being safe. And again, I don't know if Burke was insisting on the same pitch, same uh, two times in one game. I'd done my running for the year. <laughs> I found that on Twitter. That is the late, great Dick Allen, who, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? You know, congratulations to uh, the family of uh, Minnie Minoso. Uh, that was celebrated yesterday. But uh, Dick Allen had two, two inside the park home runs on this day, 50 years ago, July 31st, 1972, which, remember, it was like a month ago, we relived the Chili Dog game. Yeah. So and, we had and, a hell of a season in 1972, number 15, for your Chicago White Sox, a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame and will be at some point. And by the way, I'm going to put out uh, everybody, I, I said Sander Rocker, this is not very typical, but I'm dying to have a Richie Allen jersey. And I cannot find one. Anybody have an extra large, number mm. 15? Reach out to me on Twitter if well, you want to get rid of it. For some and, and, reason, they're not selling them. You can find Bill Melton's and everything. I don't know if the Allen family has something to do with that, huh. but you can find number 15 Allen, especially the road ones, which is what, what I want from 1973. And, and you know, he's, you heard him say, I did my running for the year. Yes, basically. yeah, he was a funny guy. Uh, and he was, he was a short guy. He was built like a, like a brick house. Yeah, uh, Huge Jack. arms, not Jack. And uh, Steve Stone actually referenced him yesterday. He said something like, you know, Richie used to wear the long sleeves. And he told him because he, you know, they were teammates in 1973. He said, Richie, if I had your arms, I'd be showing them off the gun all show. year yeah. round. It was a gun show, a serious gun show. And uh, it, it was uh, really great to see that on Twitter. So I thought I'd bring that up today. And by the well, way, here's a, here's a guy yeah. who would smoke in the dugout, too. I mean, you know, the fact that he's two, two inside the park I know there's that famous Sports Illustrated yeah. cover where he's juggling with a cigarette yeah. in his mouth. Yeah. I will say this. If you're uh, fascinated by uh, Dick Allen, Richie Allen, um, uh, he wanted to be known as Dick Allen, but uh, Harry Carey would not stop calling him Richie. I wonder if that caused an issue. But I digress. There is an excellent book called Chili Dog MVP. Eckhart Press, Chicago based, put it out a couple months ago. And I have a copy. I'm reading it right now, and it's just really fascinating about the Sox at that time, Richie Allen, Dick Allen, and and that game, and and so much more. And I'm maybe about uh, a third through it, but it's a, a fabulous book. I'll put the uh, link up on Twitter. Good stuff. Yeah, um, well, I'm trying to think who was uh, the center fielder. Washington was he on that team? Uh, Claudel Washington was yeah. until late seventies. Okay, I, I love it. And someone on, in bleachers always had the bell, uh, the banner hanging over the wall. Washington slept here. <laughs> <laughs> Not big fans. So. Yeah, I know. I remember that. I remember that Claudel. He was he was on the collared teams. Remember the. Uh, yep. the, uh, yeah. the old so, script with the collars and everything, and and a couple games in the shorts. The Sunday games. There were yeah, always Sunday, Sunday shorts. That was Sunday the uniform. Yeah. It was only a couple times though. Yeah, that was Bill Vex' deal. His wife came up with that idea. Really? Yes. I didn't know. Yeah. Yes. She, she came up with that idea. I'm sure the players rolled oh, their it. eyes, and yeah, they I slid a couple times, and they said, second, yeah. that's enough of this. That yeah. is enough of this. 312-332-3776. Fresh off a win for the White Sox yesterday. The heroics of Gavin Sheets. A guy who we've been looking for consistency. He's finding his way. He's a young guy. Uh, you know, a lot of upside, you know, anybody's guess. And if he will be 
you know, trade bait at the deadline or even off season, right? Because we have a we have a glut of first basemen, right? We have Andrew Vaughn, we have Jose Abreu, Gavin Sheets is a natural first baseman. Yasmani Grandal, when he isn't uh, DHing or catching, is a first baseman. Although that's really just you know aside. Right. But but when Jose and his contract is done after this year, he's thirty seven years old. You know, hopefully, I would like to see him retire as a uh, member of the White Sox. But at some point, maybe he's just a full-time DH, and then what happens with Aloy? A lot of off-season questions, but what's going to happen by the trade deadline, which is just two days away from right now, 5 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, I'd love to hear from Sox fans. If, if you were Rick Hahn, are you looking at this? As a Sox fan, are, are, are you looking at the 50-50 team, the 50 wins, 50 losses? Which is exactly where they're at right now. Right, and saying, okay, we can't, we can't, make a big splash by Tuesday at 5 o'clock because we're not going anywhere this year. Or you look at it, even with all the issues on the field and all the injuries and all the stops and all the starts, you can still win this division and you have to be in it to win it. And so Rick Hahn should be doing all he can to to make sure this is team is a playoff team. I mean, how do you look at it? Do you look at it big picture or you just want a playoff series or two or hopefully more than Three one two three three two three seven seven six, because um, it'll be interesting. I, you could, you could. There are a lot of teams out there like Boston and some of these other teams that are only three or four games out of a uh, a playoff spot. Like the White Sox, find them, and they're they're going to be sellers and big time sellers. Right? Wait, we'll are the Red Sox that close to a wild card? Uh, I think they are to a wild card. But you okay, know, I mean, they, I mean, it's jumble. it's been a rough season yeah. for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. But there are other teams who are just saying, you know what, we're not, we're not going to do anything this year. So, whatever offers, keep them coming. We'll yeah, you know what though, out. we were sold such a bill of goods. I can't imagine that they would roll over. But it's interesting concept three one two three three two, three seven seven six. Phones are starting to stack up after break. After the break, I should say we'll get to them. And I also have the starting lineup for your Chicago White Sox on the home of the Chicago White Sox, ESPN one thousand. 